0: I'm Mike Prowse and this is my solo travel podcast. Your modern, fast-talking, social media savvy racist places a great deal of value on England's folk heritage. They tell you they don't hate anyone. They just regret the loss of cheese rolling, maypole dancing, apple bobbing and other things that they don't actually want to do themselves. And I worry that our own distance from the bygone beliefs of our forebears is handing over our wonderful history to the racists. The Tommy Robinsons. The Marine Le Pens. The Lorraine Kellys. So I'm heading to Somerset, taking a trip to reclaim this nation's folk heritage from the racists. Because I'm not a racist. According to the National Office of the Past, Britain's most historic village is Arpleshaw in Somerset. And I'm just approaching the outskirts now. With 200 historical points of interest and only 30 inhabitants, the village has an astonishing 6.66667 historical points of interest per capita. And Arpleshore isn't just rich in history. It also found fame on the big screen not so long ago, when the makers of Star Wars The Force Awakens shot second-unit footage of an abandoned farmhouse just there near the village, before returning to Hollywood and using the latest CGI techniques to transform it into Harrison Ford. This episode of the Mike Prowse Solo Travel Podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Clandestine Cinema. Want to watch Rocky IV in a disused bus depot? You probably can. Or possibly not. We're not telling. At the heart of Arpelshaw lies the Songbird Inn, a cosy little gem of a pub with two bars, a log fire and accommodation upstairs. Sadly, I won't be staying here. I'm broke due to an eBay scam in which I ended up spending 400 quid on what turned out to be a picture of a high-end microphone. Instead, I'm going to take my lead from the simple, rustic itinerant who would have roamed these lanes in previous centuries and sleep in my car. Earlier, in a section referring to two well-known far-right figures, Tommy Robinson and Marine Le Pen, I referred to Lorraine Kelly as a racist. I'd like to make it clear, Lorraine Kelly is not a racist. This was an error on my part, caused by me accidentally copying her name from a retrospective I was writing about Carlton TV and pasting it over the name of Viktor Orban, leader of the Hungarian Fidesz party. I have offered to make a donation to a charity of Lorraine Kelly's choosing. Unfortunately, Lorraine has not only declined... She says she will now stop all of her previous charitable giving and tell everyone it's my fault. I am very sorry. If you're anything like me, the chances are you've been called a nincompoop a fair few times over the years. From benefits clerks to magistrates and the children of the street, its trisyllabic structure ending in that punchy double plosive has made it one of the nation's go-to insults. But not many people know that there was in fact an original nincompoop. The entity in question was a mythical character thought to dwell in the village of Arpleshore. Local legends of the nincompoop were recorded by Dr Johnson during a stay here in 1749 and the word was consequently adopted as a popular insult. Identified in medieval manuscript as a great beast beset by calamitous wings betwixt crack and nape, and thought to have the intelligence of 12 church wardens, the nincompoop has loomed large in the imagination of centuries of Arpal Shore residents. Mothers in the village are still heard to threaten their offspring that if they don't behave, the nincompoop will disable operating system updates on their iPhones. And at the village church, a grotesque statue of the creature clings to the steeple, defecating a stream of granite effluent onto the vestibule roof, and the Songbird pub was up until five years ago known by its centuries-old name, the nincompoops arsecloth. Let's have a look at it. Clandestine cinema. Would you like to watch Apocalypse Now in the conference suite of a second division football stadium? No reason, just asking. Ritual and magic play a large part in folklore, and that's certainly true in Arpelshaw. While other villages have their quaint customs and superstitions, the people of Arpelshaw have for centuries been unstinting in their devotion to devil worship. The village church I'm in right now is dedicated to Saint Besom, patron saint of devil worshippers. And it's very much the centre of Arpelshaw life. With its oldest part dating back to the 13th century, St Besum survived the turmoil of the Satanic Reformation in the 1540s as Henry VIII turned the country away from Roman devil worship and created the more homegrown Satanic Church of England. In this increasingly secular age, the village's black masses aren't as well attended as they once were, just a few old deers donning the robes every Saturday night, picking up their ceremonial daggers, offering their eternal master the entrails of a lamb and steadfastly maintaining devil worship's place at the heart of English life. And it's not just black masses. Let's take a look at this notice board. Here we've got the Satanic Women's Institute, Satanic Boy Scouts, and of course, the Evil Mother and Evil Toddler Group. My refund from eBay hasn't come through and I'm feeling pretty ropey having spent the night in my car. Tomorrow night I'll try one of the seats but I think the boot was a valid first choice. I was just trying to buy a couple of -of out-of-date sandwiches from the village shop when the woman on the counter saw my lack of funds and directed me to this local folk ditty. In Arpelshaw, if loot ye seek Climb the steeple, tall and bleak Place a shiny penny In yon poop's foul beak And he'll bestow his riches Riches, riches Yes, he'll bestow his bounty All the loot ye seek But beware his stinking arsecloth His arsecloth, his arsecloth The fetid, stinking arsecloth It actually makes me sick Superstitious nonsense, obviously, but I might yet need to give it a try. She told me some pretty interesting stuff about Arpelshaw's inhabitants too. Odd Lizzie was a ghost who haunted the village for over 70 years in the 19th century. Contemporary sources report that Odd Lizzie was a strange species of ghost who wasn't see-through and couldn't walk through walls. The apparition first appeared in the village in 1823 as a ghostly child, becoming over the years a ghostly teenager, then a ghostly adult. By 1890, the ghost had taken on the form of a ghostly old woman before disappearing in 1893. Her spectre now lies under a ghostly gravestone in the village cemetery. I'm standing outside Arpelshaw's picturesque post office with its wisteria-covered walls, wisteria-covered windows and wisteria-covered doors. It's almost impossible to get into. But you don't have to go in to see Arpelshaw post office's most interesting feature. You may have heard a few big booms in this episode. That's because when the Royal Mail was established over 400 years ago, Arpelshaw was the only village in England not to join, opting to carry on delivering its post as it always had, firing it from a giant cannon. And it's a method that continues to this day, (laughs) serving... Each letter or parcel is rammed into the muzzle before the ancient weapon is aimed in the direction of the recipient's house and the fuse ignited, With a 30% delivery rate, the Arpelshaw Post is still outperforming Yodel and DHL. But it's the stamps which truly set Arpelshaw's postal system aside. 18 inches along each side and in full colour, each stamp luridly depicts Satan himself, his two penises locked in bestial congress with the nincompoop and whoever happens to be postmaster or mistress at the time of printing. These remarkable stamps are unavailable outside the village and sale to non-residents is strictly forbidden. It's no surprise, therefore, that the village post office is under pretty much constant siege from philatelists. Resourceful stamp nuts have long secreted themselves in the post cannon in order to remove stamps from parcels, and many have found themselves fired into the air along with their prize. In 1874, the then record for the longest human flight was set by self-styled King of the Stamp Collectors, Saul Lickthaback-Sampson, who was blown 312 feet from the cannon, clutching his stamp directly into the side of a house. The householder wasn't in, so he was signed for by a neighbour. Around the turn of the millennium, some residents began to wonder how Arpelshaw's post cannon would fare in the age of email. But one of English country life's greatest assets is its adaptability. And if you come to the village today, you'll see emails, blog posts and Twitter death threats being loaded into the cannon's muzzle, ready for dispatch. There goes one now. Jesus Christ! Clandestine cinema. What will our next top secret screening be? Probably carry on camping in a tent. I'm just listening to the voices in this pub. Ask any folklorist what's the most rewarding part of their research and chances are they'll tell you it's the dialects. Finding 12 people in Ulster who call apples fruit number two or the hamlet in the Lizard Peninsula where hawthorn bushes are known as Councillor Simon Macpherson. Sad to say, there are no such linguistic riches here in Appleshore. The only variation I've found is that people here say rebut when they mean refute, and vice versa. Meanwhile, my financial situation's getting ever more perilous. It's still a day until this month's Patreon money comes through, thanks to both my subscribers, by the way. Desperate measures are called for. Superstition or not, I'm going up the nincompoop steeple. Clandestine cinema, films you've seen before but more expensive. Right, nearly there. <laughs> well, I'm pretty high up on the roof of St. Bessam's Church and my penny is now in the Ninkum Poop's beak, waiting for those riches. Still waiting? Nothing? You know, I started this episode with the intention of claiming back the UK's folk heritage from the racists. Well, they can have it. <laughs> from up here, you get an incredible view of Shore, the tiny winding river, the wicker nincompoop. Oh, there's the old post cannon, and you know, If I was to sum up our nation's folk heritage, Two weeks have passed since an airborne Amazon package containing a DVD box set of every episode of Only Fools and Horses knocked me from the roof of St. Besham's. I broke three ribs and irrevocably scuffed my guide to Arpleshaw. On the upside... I'm pleased to report that extensive legal wranglings with the Church of St. Besham have resulted in them making me a one-off without prejudice payment of 400 quid. The case was settled only after I was able to prove that they had not, as their affidavit claimed, refuted my claim. They'd merely rebutted it. This is Mike Prowse, giving thanks to the mighty and beneficent nincompoop, signing off. Ha <laughs> ha!